0: Hello, and welcome back to the PC Speaking Podcast. I'm certainly grateful that you've taken the time to tune in. We are in our series, Do the Right Thing, Why Morality Matters. And this week, we're talking specifically about the moral practice of respecting our elders. Um, I was walking Saturday morning, and I realized that as I was working this out, studying this, I was doing so through the lens of a member of generation X and we all do that. We all view the world through the lens of our generation, our culture. And it's not, it's neither good nor bad. It's just is what it is. Um, Generation X was in many ways, parented very loosely, a lot of latchkey kids. It was that generation where there was uh, more single parents. A lot of mothers went to work. So a lot of kids would come home to an empty house after school Um, You know, run around all day, be home when the lights came on. So they became independent. So as I studied this, I thought, I'm really looking at this particular uh, moral practice through the eyes of my own generation, but I'm going to try to make it as relevant as I can for everyone. There are reasons God has given us commands to live by. In our series, Do the Right Thing, Why Morality Matters. We talk about the gospel and we talk about God's commands. The gospel saves us. God's commands guide us along the best possible path for this life. Each time we come together in this series, I take the opportunity to talk about both God's commands and the gospel and how they relate to each other and how they relate to us, because I don't want anyone to get the wrong idea that it is following God's commands that make us right with God or that because we might know Jesus as our Savior and we are secure in him, that following God's commands doesn't really matter because neither one of those is true. Um, Believing the gospel makes us right with God. Following his commands is our roadmap for navigating a broken world. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says, For freedom Christ freed us. Stand fast, therefore, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. In talking about doing the right thing and why morality matters, I think a central theme in all of that would be our liberty in Christ as his followers and what that means and how people in general view liberty and freedom. To bring it down to the most basic sense, I'd say that there are two ways that people view freedom and liberty. One view would be the freedom to follow your whims, and desires without interference without interference um, I think that's probably the way most people define freedom um, you know, live your own truth follow your own whatever it is you want to do with your life without interference that's how most people would view freedom uh, the other view of freedom that I want to put forward would be in line with the verse we just read from Galatians and also what Jesus meant when he said you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Most people, including a lot of Christians, hold to an idea that freedom is something that allows you to follow your whims, your desires, live your truth kind of freedom. Uh, That's a very, I'd say it's definitely a component of cultural Christianity in the Western world today. From a biblical perspective, There's the liberty from sin in that the gospel of Jesus sets us free from the consequence of sin. There's also the view that we have been set free from the bondage of sin to pursue something more than whims, desires, kind of freedom. God's commands set us on a path to something more, to a deeper freedom than that. And I'll give you an example from the Bible that will help explain what I'm talking about. It's the story of Moses speaking to Pharaoh on behalf of the Israelites and him leading the Israelites out of Egypt. The Israelites had been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. God raises up Moses to lead his people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And in talking about this, of course, we're summing up uh, the entire book of Exodus. So I'd encourage you to read the book and learn the story. And so this makes it more clear for you but god tells moses to go tell pharaoh to let my people go this happens multiple times and each time pharaoh refuses to do that partly because he's obstinate partly because he's going to lose a a massive workforce that's basically free and there's a lot of economic reasons for that all kinds of reasons for it but either way god tells moses to go tell pharaoh to let my people go and Pharaoh refuses multiple times. But to our point, God doesn't just tell Moses to tell Pharaoh to let his people go. He tells him to let my people go so that they may serve me. So the Israelites are to be set free from slavery in Egypt so as to allow them to pursue serving God, not just to do whatever they want in pursuit of their own desires, not so they can just leave Egypt and then you know follow their whims or whatever it might be, But he says, let my people go so that they may serve me. Now, when the plagues and all that stuff get sorted out, when they finally do leave Egypt, that's when God gives Moses the Ten Commandments on Sinai. The Israelites are being set free from slavery in Egypt, not so they can follow their own selfish whims and desires, but to serve God and follow his commands. Now, later in the same story, God brings them to the border of the land he promised them, the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land where things will go well for them if they follow God's commands. And God gives them the command to go in and take the land. Instead of doing what God says, they choose to <clears throat> follow their own feelings. And because of that, they end up wandering aimlessly in the desert for 40 years. Instead of following God's commands, they let what they feel in the moment, dictate what they decide to pursue. Instead of facing their fear, um, instead of moving forward in God's commands, they let their own whims dictate their action. And they may have left Egypt, but they really are no better off now. Matter of fact, they seem to think they were better off in Egypt. And because they reject God's command, they end up wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. If a person views freedom as simply being able to follow my whims or desires, they really don't understand freedom very well. They'll be, you know, metaphorically speaking, left in Egypt as slaves or wandering aimlessly in the desert, which is not really freedom at all. Many people view God's moral commands as restrictive or oppressive or both. The reality is, that God's commands are not restrictive. They're not oppressive. They are enabling. They set you free to pursue what is best. God's boundaries create liberty. See, without them, really your only option is being subject to selfish desires and whims and sometimes being subject to the selfish whims of others. The Israelites are standing at the border of the promised land, on the brink of freedom and good things, and God says, go into the land, and they choose not to. And as a consequence, they end up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. A lot of what people view as freedom is, in fact, nothing more than just being a slave to selfish desires. It's wandering in the wilderness, and God's commands set you free from that. It's a bit of a, uh, maybe sometimes a difficult concept to get our head around. But the more you think about it, the more uh, real that becomes, the more true that becomes, the more you understand what that means. And let's be honest, most people, including most Christians, follow their own whims and desires, and their idea of freedom is very cultural. Um, Often it's, well, I know what God says, but I'm just going to do what I'm going to do anyway. And as we look around at the world, and we see people chasing their own whims, their own Desires, you know, living their own truth, whatever it might be, you, you, how's that going for everyone when you think about it? People are anxious, people are miserable, people are confused, they wander aimlessly. I put out a podcast last week entitled, Tis the Season for Anxiety and Depression. And my downloads on that podcast increased by over 1000% when I talked about anxiety, and depression. The more you live your own truth, follow your selfish whims, your desires, the worse things get, the more confused you become, because that doesn't make things any better. We think we're going to be happy chasing those things, but it just doesn't work. People constantly have to try to change definitions and standards in a vain attempt to make themselves happy when they're following selfish desires. So we have to learn what God's commands are. We have to be taught how and why to follow God's commands. And the why is important. That's kind of what this series is about. And we need help in doing that. And that's where parents and elders come in. And that's what we're talking about today the moral practice of respecting your elders. At some time, and I know a lot of people would uh, agree with me on this, at some point or over time, it seems that has become somewhat lost. Um, When I talk about respecting your elders, again, that's something people view in different ways. But when I say this, I don't mean that people are mean to old people or they're disrespectful. They're not mean to old people and parents, although some are for sure. But as a culture, we don't seem to recognize the value and wisdom of older people. And it's my theory that has happened because of a few different things. One is that parents and elders were telling young people to respect your elders at one point, but not explaining why. And when you lose the why, you, you lose the moral. The moral begins to seem irrelevant when you don't know why you should practice that. You know, if someone tells me, you should respect your elders. If I don't know why uh, and I don't do it, eventually it's going to be seem irrelevant. And then when that happens, people stop following the command or practicing the moral. And the problem that the command or moral solved begins to return and another reason that i think this may have happened is because some parents and elders have not made themselves people worth respecting that's just a reality that we need to face Um, some people are jerks with a sense of entitlement no one listens to them that's unfortunately true Um, sometimes uh, older folks you know We, I don't know if I'm in that category yet, but to some I would be, but we can't just expect people to respect us because we are older. It's something that needs to be earned. To be respectable, we need to earn respect. And really the best way to gain that is through caring about other people. That's kind of a different topic. But another thing that's played a part is that things have changed very quickly in the past few decades. People have a lot of knowledge If you have a question today, you don't have to go to, or say you have a theological question, you don't have to go to a church leader. Uh, You don't have to go to a parent, grandparent, an elder uh, person to find the answer to a question. You just ask Google. It's quick. It's easy. It's right there all the time. People know a lot and can know anything they want almost instantaneously. Um, I can't imagine what I did because I have questions pop into my head all the time that I Google, and I can't. Remember what life was like before that was available. I think to myself, did I have all these questions all of the time, or did I not have these questions? I don't know. But people know a lot and can know anything they want almost instantaneously. Especially young people, they're very technological, uh, technologically savvy. Um, They don't know how to find what they're looking for. They know how they to do what they want to do with technology, and they can get knowledge. At, a, at an incredible rate. Now, where that knowledge falls over, though, is in the fact that knowledge and wisdom are not the same thing. Google can give you knowledge, but Google can't give you wisdom. We're going to explore this some more, the difference between knowledge and wisdom and how we get that wisdom. And we're going to bring several Bible verses that speak to honoring people who are older together and we're going to read those so let's read those exodus chapter 20 verse 12 says honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land which the lord your god is giving you leviticus nineteen thirty two says you shall rise up before a gray head and honor the face of an old man and fear your god i am the lord Proverbs 16.31. Now, this is from the King James translation. Um, I like this particular verse from the King James. Uh, Usually, I read from the modern English version. But Proverbs 16.31 from the KJV says, The hoary head is a crown of glory if it be found in the way of righteousness. And I'll talk more in a little bit about why I chose that particular translation for that verse. Uh, Matthew 19.19 says, Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. First Peter 5, verse 5 says, Likewise, you younger ones, submit yourselves to the elders. Yes, all of you be submissive one to another, and clothe yourselves with humility, because God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We honor and respect elders and parents because they have something we don't. They have wisdom. Wisdom is not the same thing as knowledge. Knowledge is information that you know, and we have that in spades. If you choose to do so, you can educate yourself on just about any subject or field of study you want to simply by getting it online, and you can do that very quickly for little to to no cost you can learn a lot about anything you want to learn about but that doesn't give you wisdom knowledge doesn't equate to wisdom one of the struggles that we face is we have the perfect storm of knowledge and wealth knowledge makes us think that we know what we're doing and wealth insulates us from a lack of wisdom and when i say wealthy people this is how i define that uh, globally, high income is someone who lives on more than $50 a day. That's the highest income bracket uh, they measure global wealth by, uh, at least by the study I was looking at. And 7% of the people in the world <coughs> are considered high income. So, yeah, most of us are pretty wealthy people who are listening to this. And I'm not trying to make anyone feel guilty. That's not what I'm after at all. I'm just putting things into perspective when I talk about wealth cushioning us from the consequences of a lack of wisdom. Wealthy people are able to get away with doing more stupid things because wealth softens the blow of stupidity and a lack of wisdom. I have a device called a PLB, a personal locator beacon. I take it with me when I go on my remote adventures, when I go uh, remote bush camping or when I get out to sea and things like that on the kayak to do some fishing. It's an expensive piece of gear. And what, what it's for is if I get into a situation where I am in grave danger, say I fall off a cliff and break a leg or I were separated from my kayak and I end up in the middle of the ocean, I can pull the little antenna out on my PLB And push the button and it sends out a distress signal to (coughs) GPS satellites. And there's a global network that monitors these signals. When I push the button, they know who it belongs to and it tells them within a few meters where I am. And that sets rescue in motion. And Excuse me. Usually, within less than 24 hours, a relatively short amount of time, a rescue team is able to locate someone and help them out. And it's a relatively new piece of technology. It wasn't that long ago that if you fell off a cliff and broke your leg, your chances of survival were uh, dramatically less. But with this personal locator beacon... If someone doesn't know what they're doing, they don't understand bushcraft, they don't know how to take care of themselves at sea, whatever, and they get themselves into trouble, this dramatically cushions the blow that comes with a lack of wisdom. Um, So uh, wealth negates a lot of consequences for lack of wisdom. And of course, not everyone who has activated a locator beacon has done something stupid or unwise, but... plenty have. And that's just an example of how wealth and in this case, technology cushions us from our own stupidity and lack of wisdom. (coughs) And I think that in our culture, there's a lag effect happening where people don't realize that they don't have wisdom because we have so much knowledge. We think we're smart. Um, And a lot of people are smart. But that doesn't necessarily mean they have wisdom. And we're so wealthy, it's so easy to live for so many of us, that you can get by for quite a while without gaining or accessing wisdom. The problem is, is that we all need wisdom for our own lives, for our families, for our society. A lack of wisdom is eventually going to find us out and we'll be in a lot of trouble. Take an activity like surfing for instance you can watch videos you can read about it you can learn a lot about it you can read about it even on uh, a world champion level you can take guys like mcfanning or kelly slater and read about them and what they do and maybe even they've blogged some things i don't know watch videos and that information is and, and knowledge it's good and it's helpful but if you haven't actually spent time in the water you can't surf you don't have the wisdom to do that, you don't have the ability to do that. And if you paddle out into big water, you're going to get murdered. So, what is wisdom and how do you obtain it? Wisdom is the ability to discern or judge well, it's the ability to recognize patterns. And to sum it up, wisdom is the ability to rightly apply knowledge. Wisdom is the ability to rightly apply knowledge. You can have a lot of knowledge. But sooner or later, if you don't have wisdom, you're going to run into problems. And Solomon wrote in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 11, that wisdom is to be valued far above rubies. In fact, he says that wisdom is more valuable than anything you could possibly desire. So think about the thing you desire more than anything else, the thing you want most in the world, and The Bible says wisdom is worth more than that. So it's obviously extremely valuable. How do I get it? Some would say, read your Bible. And I say, yeah, read your Bible. That's good. You need to do that. You should do that. But it's still information that you need to learn how to apply. And there are a few ways to get wisdom. One is to do what the Bible tells us in the book of James 1.5. James writes this: He says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and without criticism, and it will be given to him. So we can ask God for it. And you might remember that's how Solomon gained wisdom in the Old Testament. God came to him in a dream. Solomon's the new king of Israel, and he asked Solomon, What can I give you? And Solomon says, Ask for wisdom to rule his people. And God was pleased with his answer because he didn't ask for wealth or long life. So God gave him all three. He gave him wisdom, wealth, and long life. The way I view it, God gave Solomon a shortcut that the rest of us don't get. When you and I pray for wisdom, God doesn't just unscrew the top of our head and dump it in there. Uh, You don't get on your knees when you go to bed at night, pray for wisdom, and wake up Wise. It'd be nice if it worked like that, but the reality does is that it doesn't work like that. Remember, wisdom doesn't come cheap. We acquire wisdom through experience over time. Now, this is my experience in asking God for wisdom. When we pray and ask God for wisdom, the way that's going to happen is God is going to bring or allow situations in your life that are going to teach you wisdom. And those situations will likely be difficult wisdom is difficult it takes a lot of time and pain to get it but you know don't let that discourage you pray ask god for wisdom just be prepared when you do and people who are wise have gone through a lot of that if you know someone wise you know they they've probably had many difficult life experiences through which they have gained wisdom now it is possible to circumvent a lot of the time and the pain that it takes to get wisdom. God's given us a way to do that. And that comes from the group of verses we read. Respect for elders. Honoring your father and mother. Remember Ephesians chapter 6 uh, verses 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, so that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. That commandment comes with a promise. Honor your father and mother and things will be well with you and you'll live long on the earth. Honor is high respect. And when you have high respect for someone, you listen to what they say and you trust what they say. When you need to know something, not just information, but how are my choices going to affect an outcome? What's going to happen if I do this? How should I approach this situation? How can I apply my knowledge in a way that's going to work out for the best? If you're a younger person and you ask your friends, they're going to be happy to give you an opinion about that. It may be good, it may not be so good, but they don't have the wisdom to answer the question because they haven't been around long enough. It's not their fault. Everybody goes through that part of life. Google, ask Google. Google has information, but not wisdom. When seeking wisdom, you ask your mother or father or an elder who cares about you because they know you, they know your situation. And that's, I mean, really, that's not for just young people, that's for all of us. And why would we do that? Because they have had more time to acquire more wisdom. I was reading about this the other day. And if you've been listening for a while, you've heard me talk about how we form thought patterns in our brains and neural pathways, patterns that our thoughts form and then continue to follow. That way we don't have to think everything through all the time and we can do menial tasks quickly without really thinking about them. We form thought patterns that allow us to do some things and make decisions very quickly without much thought. Um, i like to play guitar that's a good example um, like forming a g chord on a guitar i can just I, I can do it without thinking about it if i could had to think about it and work my way through it and think okay well let's see my first finger goes on the fifth string, second fret, and my middle finger goes on the third fret, sixth string, and my other finger. If I had to do that every time, the song would be half over before I was able to form a chord. So you see, when we form those thought patterns, we can think quickly. We don't have to put a lot of thought into it. We can just do it. And our brain is kind of like concrete. It's not not the same. That used to be a way that um, – uh, people thought was that our brain was like concrete and couldn't change, but that's not true. It, it does change. Um, but it gets harder with time. It solidifies more as we get older. And when you're young, your brain is very malleable, which makes it easy to learn, easy to change, easy to adapt, which you need a lot of when you're young because you're doing a lot of that. And change is much harder for older people because their brain is far less malleable. When an older person says they're set in their ways, that's a real thing. That's It's more than just a preference. They really are set in their ways. Um, old people can still change the way they think, It's but it's more difficult. It takes a lot more effort than it does for a young person. So, you know... It's, it's, it's good to understand that when someone older says, I'm set in my ways, it's, it's more than just, you know, there's some things I can prefer. It's actually change is more difficult for them, but God has made us that way. And there's reasons for that. And an advantage uh, to that is that elder people, older people are not affected much by pop culture and whatever happens to be going on at the moment. Their opinions don't change quickly. They're settled in those things. They've had a long time to think about them and work through them, which is good. And it's advantageous as a young person to be able to adapt and change quickly. Sometimes you need young people see new things that we do need to recognize and we do need to change. But one advantage of older people is that because they have developed and learned and have thought patterns, they have developed over the course of their life, (coughs) they're able to quickly recognize patterns. They can see what's going on um they can they can often see what's going to happen before it happens they can see something and say if you do that this is what's going to happen next we've probably all had that happen to us when a kid when we were kids and our parents or grandparents said something to us and they said if you do that this is what's going to happen and older people have that advantage because They can rightly apply knowledge because they have a lifetime of experience. They're able to recognize patterns. They're able to discern. They're able to judge. Google and our our peers may have knowledge, but they probably don't have the ability to rightly apply that knowledge like someone older does. And our peers, obviously, they don't know any more than we do. So you can get wisdom by asking God. You can get wisdom by muddling through your own experience of trial and error, which is unavoidable in some ways. We're all going to have some experiences like that. Or you can learn from elders, older people, parents. A wise person learns from the mistakes of others. They don't have to go through the heartache and stress of learning everything the hard way. You can gain wisdom from elders without the pain Because they've already experienced it. Wisdom is expensive, and they've already paid the price for it. And for the most part, they are willing to pass that on to you for free. Recognizing you don't know everything and respecting older people and listening to what they say shows a tremendous capacity for wisdom. If you do that, you will become wise. Two more verses. Leviticus 19.32 says you shall rise up before a gray head and honor the face of an old man and fear your god i am the lord proverbs 16 31 a king james translation says the hoary head is a crown of glory if it be found in the way of righteousness now i like the king james for that verse because it uses the word hoary which is spelled h-o-a-r-y hoary and what that word means is gray-haired or old, and that's the way it's usually translated, which is correct, and it's fine, and that's what it means. There's nothing wrong with translating it that way. But here's what I like about the word hoary. I grew up in a place where we had hoarfrost, H-O-A-R, and I've always thought hoarfrost was beautiful. If you know what I'm talking about, maybe you've seen it Um it's like the, the frost that forms on branches without leaves in the middle of winter when there's fog, and it's, it's just beautiful. Um, it's it's kind of hard to describe. You, you could Google it. Um, but the reason I like the word hoary is because it attributes something beautiful to age. The Bible attributes beauty and value to elders. I don't mean just church leader type elders, although they can be included too. I mean older people in general. Western culture tends to glorify youth. There's a certain beauty and energy that comes with youth. Um, That's great. It's great to have that as part of our community. And we gratefully welcome that. I'm blessed that we have young people that bring that youth and energy to our church. And sometimes young people can see things that we don't. Uh, Sometimes they can see things that need to change and be updated. and, And we're very fortunate to have that. But those who are older, also have the wisdom to recognize that doesn't last. And they can remember what it was like to be that age. And it's wise to recognize the beauty of age. The Bible says you shall rise up before a gray head and honor the face of an old man and fear your God, I am the Lord. That's respect for the wisdom and beauty of old age. And God puts that together with fear your God in that verse. Now, respecting elders is not on the same level as honoring God, but God put it in the same sentence, which is not nothing. It's something to think about. And I love when I learn something that feels like I've always known that thing, but I've just been made aware of it. It's like somebody's flips on a light switch in my brain and it shines light on something that was already there. And then I recognize it. This is, this is one of those things. God has placed within each of us an attraction to the wisdom and beauty of old age. You read it in stories, you see it in culture, you see it in movies. There's the wise old man archetype, um, the old man with white hair and usually a beard. Although, uh, the beard has more to do with culture than wisdom. Um, Gandalf in The Lord of the Rings, Obi-Wan Kenobi in Star Wars, and Mr. Miyagi in The Karate Kid, Alfred in Batman, Mick in Rocky. And of course, there's the parent relationship as well. You see that in stories, Simba and Mufasa in The Lion King. And we're naturally attracted and interested in those who have wisdom. When artists have attempted to represent God in art, they portray him as having white hair or a hoary head, which is the artist saying God is wise. Well, I hope that helps explain practical reasons for respecting elders and honoring your parents and and why it's worthwhile to listen to them. The Bible says get wisdom. And in, in, in some ways we can do that the easy way Or we can do that the hard way. And some of it will always be hard. That's just reality. We can also ask God for wisdom. We can also ask people who are older than we are and who we respect for wisdom. And I've never met anyone who was an elder person who is not more than willing to help out for free. And that's why the moral practice of respecting elders matters. Well, that's all I've got for you today. I certainly hope you found that helpful in some way. And if you know somebody who might find it helpful, please share it with them. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. See you then.